0: Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. The Bible says that these all died in faith. How many would like to die that way? In faith. Amen. I know that we preach and believe a lot and maybe even sing about living in faith but I want to finish my course like I started it. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers, pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they Seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that, since they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Praise God. Amen. I desire a better country, a heavenly country. Amen. A place that is prepared for those who prepare themselves. God is preparing a city. Amen. I believe that what I'm bringing to you today is of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to preach with the help of the Lord about being saved and sanctified. Saved and sanctified. Would you pray with me and ask the Lord to speak to us right now in a very clear way. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your word that is available to us. I thank you, Lord, for each person that is giving their attention to the word of God, whether in person or online. I thank you, Lord, for those that are giving an ear to hear what the word of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord would say to the church. I ask that you would lead me by your spirit to speak as your spirit moves upon me Let my mind be clear, my thoughts be clear, my speech be clear, and let me be led of the Lord, driven of the Spirit, to speak the Word of the Lord to the people of God, to all that are hearing the Word today. Let it find good ground. Let the seed, the Word of God, find good ground, and let us receive it. Let us respond to it as we ought to in faith. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name, everybody say amen, amen. Before you're seated I I want to give the Lord some more appreciation right now. Would you help me and just lift your voice and clap your hands and just why don't you declare in this place that God is great, that he is greatly to be praised. Come on, let's do that for a moment right now. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you. you, may be seated. Amen. Saved and sanctified. If I gave this message, another title, another title would be this: Don't get mixed up. <laughs> Don't get mixed up. Amen. Influence. Everybody is impacted by it. Everybody has it. From the youngest to the eldest in the room, everybody has influence. Everybody is impacted by influence. Brother Walker preached to us not that long ago about a measure of influence, and he pressed us to consider what we are doing with the influence that we have. It was at his grandfather's funeral this past Thursday, hearing the memories that were shared, it came to my attention that someone's influence Truly can reach in such a way that is beyond what we can measure. While considering the reach and impact of the influence of each of our lives, there is something that we should consider and carefully use for the glory of God and the kingdom of God. But tonight, it is not my mission in this place to draw your attention to your influence. And how you are using your influence, but rather it is my mission in this place to stir you to ponder what is influencing you. Who is influencing you? There's three things that I'm gonna hit very, very hard on feeding friends and feelings. Feeding friends and feelings and specifically how feeding friends and feelings, how those three things are shaping your faith and shaping your future. Let's ask and consider what these three elements are leading us to, and let us commit today in this place, before we leave this room and are dismissed from this service, that we will not blindly follow these things. Feeding, friends, and feelings. So the question starts, us: what are you feeding on? What are you feeding on? I would think that most in this room and most that are hearing this message are familiar with the story of the prodigal. You know about the two boys that were raised in a father's house, quite a wealthy man. And the younger son demanded his inheritance be given to him. Right now, before his father would even shadow the grave, the young man wanted his inheritance. And not many days long after the father granted him his request, we find that the younger son went into a far and distant country. Are you familiar with the story? Say amen. The young man went into a far and distant country, and here we find that he wasted his inheritance. He wasted his resources. He exhausted what the Father had graciously given to him, he found himself broke and he found himself alone in a famine. And we know that he reached the lowest point when he was desperate enough not only to be hired by a farmer in that far country, but he was desperate enough to begin to feed on the same thing that those pigs were feeding on. I don't know how hungry you got to be. I don't know how low you got to get to get to a place where slop, swine slop looks appetizing to you. But let me tell you, that is the point where this young man began to feed on the same thing as the swine. So with me, pause and ponder. If prodigals in the present day don't do the same as the one we read about in Scripture, that when people get to a place where they exhaust the gracious blessings of their Heavenly Father, that they are willing to go to great lengths to feed on things, that their belly, their spiritual belly, their mind, their heart was never meant to consume. It was not meant for human consumption, but yet we find ourselves reaching low points and feeding on things we were not meant to consume. Does anyone in this room know what the stream of posts and pictures and advertisements and videos is? When you scroll through Facebook, it's called your news feed. It's called your feed. In fact, this comes from Facebook business website. Facebook says our goal with News Feed is to show you the stories that matter most to you. Every time you visit Facebook, your News Feed is a personalized, ever-changing collection of photos, videos, links, and updates from the friends, family, businesses, and news sources you've connected to on Facebook. Now, let's stop and consider why is it called a feed. Let's stop and ask ourselves, what are we digesting as a result of this feed? It doesn't have to be Facebook. You name the social media outlet. Whatever it is that has you as a registered user, when you click, when you pause for just a moment, to look a little more at a post, a video, even if you don't click on it when you pause, when you share, when you like, when you search. And listen, for convenience sake, many use their Google account or email to sign into multiple apps and sites, all of it using artificial intelligence that is learning you, that is learning your patterns. That is why. When you run a Google search for an appliance, uh, a vehicle, or uh, you talk around your devices, devices that are created to listen to and for your voice and its commands, that is why you will notice that there will be advertisements the next time that you are browsing the web or you are searching for something or you are maybe in your email account and there's advertisements in the side column or you're on your social media account, That's why there are things that are tailor-fitted just for you, because it's learning you, and it's looking to feed you. When you like a public fix page, when you like a movie, when you like a book, when you like a TV show, when you like an athlete, when you like groups or music groups, what you like Will be what they see, and what you like will be influenced by what you will be fed. You will be fed with what you like. They will influence what you see by what you like. And what they like, the people that you follow, the groups, the businesses that they like, will then feed you what they like now will be what you see. Refuge family, let this message be the sign you needed for you to review what you are doing and what you are feeding on. Stay with me. All of you that are not on social media, don't, dis- don't dismiss this message just yet. But it is time today to begin to review what you are feeding on and to clean up your social media account. I want you to think about this. If someone... Visited your page. They had never met you before, but they took time to look through every one of your pictures, every one of your likes, every one of your post shares. What story would it tell that person about you, though they had never met you? Now, I say all, the, all of this with the initiative that we are starting after service today, to have a refuge promotions team that will take advantage of social media to recruit people to become members of the church. We are seeking to use Rome's highway that rome built like the apostles used the highway that rome built for the evangelization of the then known world we want to use the highway of the internet to bring people the gospel of jesus christ i don't know of anything better to share on social media than this precious gospel and the great work that god is doing But listen, just as Brother Perry told us on Thursday, that long before most people will step foot in a service like we are in today, they will visit our webpage. They will visit our social media page. And just like they would do for the church, let me tell you, they're doing the same thing for you. There are people that you have been disconnected from since high school. There are people that never met you before, but they are connected to someone who's connected to you. And what they're going to do is they're going to go to your page. They're going to look at all of your pictures. That's why sometimes have you ever had someone like about 10 pictures from 10 years ago? And you're like, how in the world did they do that? That's because they intentionally went to your page. And they looked at every video and every picture that you posted. And then they go down further and they look at every book and movie and TV show and personality and athletic figure and sports figure and music star. And they're looking at what you like and what you follow and what you share. And they are basing their opinion of you off of your social media account. Did you know that employers now choose to hire or not? To hire people based on their social media account. In fact, there are companies, Sister Jackie, you're not in your head because you know Edwards Creative Works specializes in things like this and advertising because people want to know who you are and so they will visit those things you like and don't like and pictures of you that you have that tagged you in it. You might say, Well, listen, that was before Christ. Listen, those pictures and those likes and those movies that I liked and shared and those TV shows that I liked and shared, that was before God convicted me of them. I don't watch those things anymore. But listen to the person that's scoping out your page and social media account. They have no difference in their mind between what was past and present. It is all the present to them when they look at your page. So let me as your pastor press upon you to clean house. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. I know some of you are thinking we need to take back his uh, pastor appreciation gift right about now. Pastor, did you know that we were going to appreciate you before you put this message together? Now you're going to knock us all up beside the head. Don't appreciate me as pastor. Pastor if i'm not doing my job as a pastor to shepherd the flock of god and to tell which ways up and which ways wrong and which ways down and sideways and any way in between the producers and sponsors of the entertainment industry they are all hoping that you will turn off your brain I'm sure you've said it just like I've said it. Listen, I don't want to think. I don't want to think anymore. I've had a long day. I just want to veg out. I just want to watch something that I don't have to think about. And let me tell you, the entertainment industry, the producers and the sponsors that advertise on the entertainment industry. They are hoping that you turn off your brain. That's why the majority of what is being shared, whether it's through cable, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and the list could go on, is total, complete trash to the human soul. There are things that the human soul was never meant to feed on to begin with, and if we are not careful, we will reach a low point in our lives spiritually where we will start eating Pigs, food, brutality, immorality, sexuality, horror films and horror shows, they are not meant to be consumed by the Christian soul. I need the help of the Lord, but hear me right now. I need his help, especially in my home. I need his help in my house. It's one thing to put on a mask, Figuratively and even spiritually and put a show on for you all and come here today and tell you I'm doing great, I'm doing wonderful, things are going good but how many knows when we close the door of our, our house and we enter into our bedroom, there could be an entirely different story but the psalmist said in Psalm 101 verse 2 and 3, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way, oh when wilt thou come unto me, I will walk within my house within a perfect heart. Now listen, I know that the expectation might have been for me to preach miracles, signs, and wonders, but here was my prayer, Brother Walker. Today my prayer was, Lord, I don't want to simply sermonize. I don't want to preach a message, but Brother Andy, I want to minister to those who will hear me today. I want to minister to you. I want to equip you with something that you could take home that will help your soul. Listen, it's one thing for you to be saved. It's another thing for you to be sanctified. Let me put it straight to you. It's one thing for you to be baptized. It's one thing for you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's one thing for you to feel Holy Ghost chills roll, roll up and down your spine. But it's another thing when you get home and you're facing this same old music and the same old temptation and you don't know what to do with the desires of your body and the enticements of the world. So like the psalmist says, Lord, I need you in my house, and therefore the psalmist says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. He said this some 2,500 years ago, some 3,000 years ago. The psalmist wrote that before there was television, before there was cable, before there was Netflix. He said, listen, I've got to be in my house, and when I'm in my house, I need you to help me in my house that I don't put stuff in front of my eyes that I don't need to be seen that's going to corrupt my soul. What am I feeding on today that is shaping my faith and my future? He says, I'm going to hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Somebody say, friends, the psalmist, he segues for me today. He says, I'm not going to set any wicked thing before my eye, but I'm going to take it a step further, Brother Joe. I'm going to hate the work of them that turn aside. It won't cleave to me. Listen, the people that will try to pull me out of the church, the people that will pull me into these distractions that seek to destroy me, I will not let it cleave to me. Someone say, friends. The direction of Of my life is greatly impacted by the people that I surround myself with. I need someone to help me preach today. Say amen. In my observation, this element of a believer's journey is one of the most crucial. Our associations, our associations, our friendships, our family connections. These are so influential in our lives. Now, some of these relationships, they are impossible to avoid because of biology, because of marriage. And listen, God makes provision for that in His Word. He said, if an unbelieving spouse is content to stay married to you, even though you're a believer and on fire for God, don't leave the unbelieving spouse. Stay right there because that unbelieving spouse could be saved by you staying in the house and living the lifestyle 100%. But most of those associations and friendships and relationships that prove to be most destructive to a believer's walk with the Lord are the relationships that are completely within our power to walk away from. I was helping some young adults in the church buy a car recently, and I told them this line, listen, the buyer's greatest advantage is the ability to walk away. The ability to say, no, I'm not interested. There's nothing like walking away that will get a seller desperate to earn your business. Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to give you a little Bible study here, so stay with me. Write, Write the scriptures down if you have to. But in Exodus chapter 12, verses 35 through 38, it records the time when the children of Israel, instructed by the Lord, were told to go to their Egyptian neighbors and borrow gold and silver and jewels. Now, mind you, this is after nine of the plagues. And all of Egypt, all the neighborhoods, all the folks living in Egypt, saw the power of God work on behalf of Israel. God said, go borrow from them jewels of silver and gold. Why? Because I'm going to make myself a tabernacle where you could worship me with this gold and silver. And so they went and borrowed. The Bible says when it was time for them to leave, they were kicked out of Egypt. The Bible says that when it was time for them to leave, look at carefully in verse 38 of Exodus chapter 12. The Bible says, and a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks, and herds, and every even very much cattle. When the Israelites left Egypt, they didn't leave alone. It was not just the Israelites that left Egypt. There was a mixed multitude that left with them. There were people that were Egyptian. There were people that perhaps were even slaves like the Israelites that saw the power of the God of the Israelites and said, listen, we ain't staying here. This place is doomed for destruction. We're going to go with you. And they left with them. Now watch what happens. In Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says that it displeased God very greatly because The people of Israel began to complain in a sinful manner. And the Bible says specifically in verse 4 of Numbers 11, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? They said, we remember the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. I'm going to say something. I hope it sticks to your soul. Only the mixed multitude will look at the miracle of manna and still be unsatisfied. Only the folks, they weren't born. They weren't in covenant. They were just hanging out with with the people of Israel for the blessings. The Bible says that when God sent a fire out among them because of this sin, the Bible said it affected the very borders of the camp first. The people that lived the furthest away from where the worship of God was happening. Now, I don't mean to step on anybody's toes sitting in the back seats today, but that's where the fire fell first. The folks that were, that were as, as close as they could get to still be considered part of Israel, but as far as they could get to still say, you know what, this is a safe distance. The fire began to fall, and it was the mixed multitude. It were the people that was just looking to escape destruction and be with the people of Israel for the blessings, not taking on the name, not taking on the covenant, not taking on the signs of the covenant, not taking on the attire of the people. They said, we're just hanging out for the blessings. We want the blessings, but we don't want the covenant. We want the blessings, but we don't want the sacrifice. We don't want to be part of the worship. We're just here. We're hanging out because it feels good to come here on Sunday. We're just here and hanging out because I like what I feel when I come to church on Sunday. But listen, it's those people that crossed and folded their arms and said, listen, the manna ain't enough anymore. It's only the mixed multitude that will look at the miracle of manna and still be unsatisfied. But watch this. It doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop in numbers within the first five books of the Bible. But you travel all the way to Nehemiah. You travel all the way to Nehemiah. We're talking about exile and return to Jerusalem when the walls were being built by Nehemiah and the, and the Jews. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 13 that when they found the book, when they found the book and began to read the book, the Bible says in Nehemiah 13 verse 3, now it came to pass when they heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. You see, what was hurting Israel for hundreds, thousands of years was the fact that, listen, we came out of Egypt. We were saved, but we've never been sanctified. But we've still held on to these associations, relationships, friendships of people that are dragging us down. Listen, listen to me. I'm so thankful for the day you were born again. I'm so thankful that you want to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus. I'm so thankful that you received the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. But I don't know about you, but aren't you tired of fighting the same old fight for coming here on Sunday only to get back to ground zero because all week long you've been caving into the same? friendships and feedings that you've been having since you had before Jesus delivered you. Listen, Jesus wants to deliver you again. He wants to save you from some detrimental, destructive relationships in your life. I would to God that some of you say, you know what, it's time to cut off some associations that have been dragging me through the mud and the dirt of sin of my past life long enough. It's time to delete their contact information. It's time to unfollow them on social media. It's time to stop associating myself with people that want the blessings of the Lord, but don't want commitment. Inner covenant. Ha, hallelujah. Someone say, Fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship was a huge part of the New Testament church. Few things excite me like when I hear, like when I hear from some of you just in casual conversation that you got together with someone else in the refuge church. Went and got coffee together, had them over for dinner, met up, talked on the phone, sent a text. Listen, there are a few things that excite me. Have a Bible study. There are a few things that excite me than when I hear when the church family is connecting. Because I know there is power. In unity, and unity doesn't just happen on Sundays and Thursdays. Men's meetings and ladies' meetings, all of those are essential. But you got to get beyond the po- get beyond that point and say, "Listen, I need a family. I need a family. I need someone that I could be connected to." Someone say awkward. I think that's my daughter's favorite word. She loves to point out the awkward moments. And yes, it could be awkward at first. It could be awkward the first time you connect with the church family and really you don't know anything beyond what you see on Sunday or Thursday. But meet again. And, and then meet again. And guess what? The closer we get to Jesus, the more we realize that we have in common. We might have different skin tones. We might even have different first languages. But the more I'm around you, the more I realize that what I have in common with you is greater than what is different in us. We might have been raised differently, but there's something about you that feeds my faith every time I'm around you. And it's addictive. It's helpful. It's strengthening. Maybe you're upset because you feel like an outsider. Well, do you know what you, someone say me, you know what you could do to stop that and to change that? You could take the first step. So here's my question for my whole church family today. Here it is. And you have to answer it for yourself and for your family. When is the last time that you asked a brother, a sister, a church family to get together with you? Or are you still waiting for someone to invite you over? Are you still waiting? you still offended because someone has not talked with you and you hear about people getting together and you feel like the outsider? Why don't you step up and do something about it and say, you know what? I have a part to play in bringing harmony and unity in the church family. Somebody say Amen. Let me prove to you the direction of your life will often depend upon those that you are surrounded by. In Mark chapter 2, it records a time when Jesus was in Capernaum and he entered into a house. You know the story? Jesus was preaching the word. The power of God was present to heal. The house was filled beyond measure. Nobody else could fit in the house, but the Bible says that there came a paralyzed man. How did he get there? How did the paralyzed, Sebastian, how did the paralyzed man get to the house where Jesus was? He was surrounded by four friends that were filled with faith and determined, to get him to Jesus. And when they came to the door and they were rejected at the door entrance into the house to get to Jesus, this man, he was stuck where he was, but he was surrounded by a posse that was persistent and filled with faith that said, we'll climb up on top of the house and tear up the roof if we have to, but we're going to get our friend as close to Jesus as we can. That's the kind of friends I want. Sister Ashley, that's the kind of friends I want. Sister Ashley, I know that there are some connections and relationships and friendships that you have. They're default. They're there. But listen, as an apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled young lady, Sister Ashley, you have to make up your mind that my closest network, the people that I most associate with and connect with, are going to be people that are determined to get me to Jesus. That are not going to let me take a service off. That are not going to let me slip in my convictions. That are not going to. Let me slip in my walk with the Lord. I wonder if we took time to go through this place, Sister Becky and I, can. how many people would have a story like you when you first got in church. There had to be some ties that you had to cut. Oh, like Rahab of old that came out of Jericho on that scarlet thread, who was willing to join a new family, and when she joined that family, she became a part of the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. Listen, when you cut some ties in this world, guess what? You get to be grafted in to the Savior's family. You get to be adopted into a better family than you could possibly marry into or be be born into in this life and in this world. If you believe it, you've experienced it, would you clap your hands and be thankful for it? Thank God for good godly fellowship with like-minded believers. Because truth be told, Every believer under the sound of my voice has found themselves at least once in their life vulnerable, doubting, and questioning core beliefs and doctrines and lifestyle convictions. But it's in moments like this that you do not isolate. You do not isolate, but you insulate. You surround yourself purposely with people who are filled with the spirit, led of the Holy Ghost, holy living, prayed up, self-denying, ministry involved, heaven-minded, one God born again believers. When you find yourself vulnerable and doubting, you pull in some people. You pull in some people and say, listen, I need you to pray for me. I can't tell you everything that's going on in my mind, but I want you close to me because I see the direction you're going, and I don't want to let go of that path. Someone say friends. Feedings, friends, and feelings." Our feed and our friends will influence our feelings, and our feelings, I hate to break it to you, cannot be trusted. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the word of God said, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. You don't even know your own heart. You don't know it. The wise man said in Proverbs 4, verse 23, that's why you should keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it come the issues of life. And when Joshua died and faded, his memory faded in the background. The people of Israel began to do what seemed right in their own eyes. They did what seemed right. But you read the book of Judges and you will find some of the most immoral, corrupt years of Israel's history. Why? Because they did what they thought was right. What they felt was right. So the Apostle Paul, he warns us, those of us that are living during the time that perhaps the Antichrist shall appear. I'm coming to a close, but stay with me if you would. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9. The Apostle Paul says, I beseech you. Sister Sharon, he says, I beg you by the coming of the Lord. I'm begging you because Jesus is coming back soon. That you do not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Listen now. He says, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a fallen away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who is the Antichrist. And in verse 9 it says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Why would people perish because of this man who's coming? Why is there going to be a falling away and people are going to be deceived away from the faith? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. We've got to have a white, brother Joe, a white knuckled grip on this truth and not compromise it for friends, for feelings, for feedings. We're going to love this truth. Why? Because it's going to save us. For this cause, if they do not have a love for the truth, God will send them strong delusions so that they would believe a lie and be damned all who do not believe the truth and have pleasure rather in unrighteousness. God moved. Heavily on my heart, this scripture that I'm about to share. If you've listened to nothing else that I've said, hear this scripture. Write it down. Consider it. He reminded me that my calling as a shepherd does not end when someone is born again. And so I say, like the Apostle Paul said to Galatians in chapter 4, verse 19, my little children. He does not say that in a demeaning tone, he does not say that in a condesc- condescending tone. He says, my little children, as though they were precious to him. And let me tell the refuge church, you are precious to me. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. You see, our travail as a church, my travail as a shepherd does not end when I have the privilege of putting someone down in the name of Jesus in that watery grave. My job does not conclude that moment when you begin to speak in other tongues as a Spirit gives you the utterance. But like the Apostle Paul, there is a travail in me that he compares as a woman who gives birth to a child who is in anguish again, but this time is not so that you could be born again, but so that Christ will be formed in you. (laughs) I want my church family to be more than a crowd. I want my church family to be more than just a gathering of people that profess Jesus Christ and are satisfied with a few songs on a Sunday and a little sermon that makes them feel good and head home and have their Sunday dinner. But I want to be part of that glorious church that looks for a country whose builder and maker is God. And I understand that our greatest enemy, Sister Bella, our greatest enemy is when we are too mindful of the present world that we are currently in. You have had touch your heart You have had his spirit work on your soul. You have been baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. But hear me today, you cannot sit back and think that it's everybody else's job to somehow coddle you all the way to those pearly gates. But you've got to participate in the work of the Holy Ghost that says, listen, there's still more work to be done. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. Listen, I'm a part of a glorious church. I'm a part of a church that's on its way to heaven. I'm so thankful to be a part of a family of believers that have adopted not only the new birth, but this apostolic way of living that says, listen, I know that I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I know that I don't act like the world. I know I don't talk like the world. I know that I don't dress like the world, but listen, that's why I'm a strange Like the Bible says, I'm a pilgrim that's just passing through. I'm not looking to fit in because this world is not my home. My home, my home is just beyond the blue skies. I said I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven. And Jesus is going to have no problem identifying my life. When he looks for faith, he will find me. As we stand together all across this place, I feel like I've preached my heart. I've preached what the Lord has given me. I am part of the church. And it's been a while since I've explained what that means. The word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia. The Greek word ecclesia means people called out from the world and called out unto God. That's me. I'm called out from the world. I'm called unto God. In the second century, there was a letter by Diognetus that was written where he described the Christians that he observed. In the following way, he said, Tony Tapia, he said, these Christians, they live in their own countries, but they live as aliens. They have a share in everything as citizens of that country, yet they endure everything as foreigners. Every foreign land is their fatherland, and yet for them, every fatherland is a foreign land. It is true That they are in the flesh, but they do not live according to the flesh. He goes on to say, They busy themselves on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. They obey the established laws set in order by man, but in their own lives they go far beyond what the laws require. They are poor, and yet they make many rich. Christians dwell in the world He said, but they're not of the world. With your eyes closed and your head tilted towards heaven. I know oftentimes I ask you to bow your head, but today I ask you to lift your head because I want to remind you where you and I are headed to. Oh, if you would, please lift your head close your eyes and picture heaven with your head lifted I want you to consider that in a moment in the blink of an eye the trumpet is going to sound and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air that one of these old days, I'm going to meet the Lord. I know that many up to this point have met him through grave, but some standing here among us now will meet him by rapture. Get your eyes up. Like the psalmist says, look up toward the hills from where your help comes. Your help comes from the Lord. Somebody, get your mind on heaven. Even if just for a moment on this Sunday afternoon, let the noise of the world fade away. Oh, precious saint of God, I know you got to go to work in the morning, and I know that your mind is on the bills you got to pay. But would you just for a moment look up, look up, look up? Your redemption draws nigh. Remember why you joined this race. It's to finish. Don't quit now. Look up. Look up. Look up. There's a Savior who's preparing a place for those who are preparing themselves. If you're here and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today is a perfect day for you to be baptized in the name of Jesus. All you've got to do is put your faith in the Lord and choose to deny yourself, turn away from your sin, and follow Jesus. Look up. Look up. Look up. Look up. If you're here and you've doubted your faith, you're here and you're doubting your lifestyle, look up. There's a Savior That's waiting for you back home. Stop feeding, stop feeding on swine slop, and look up. There's a father that's on the porch, that's waiting for you at a place that's prepared for you. Look up. Don't be worried about the friends you're gonna lose here. Think about the heaven you're. Oh, don't worry about the family you've got to disconnect from. Look up. You've got a family of believers that are waiting for you on the other side of glory. Look up. Come on, this altar call has already begun. Right where you're standing or sitting, right where you are, begin to look up. Come on, spiritually, physically, emotionally, get yourself in a place where you're examining what you're feeding on. Come on, you're examining your feelings and your friends, and you're saying, God, I want better things to shape my faith and my future. Look up. Look up. Look up. I'm going to open up this altar area. If you would like to come and stand or kneel, this altar area is open. And this altar area is big. You could space out all across this front. But somebody come and be willing to look up. Look up. There's a Savior that wants. (laughs) Come on, who's going to accept the challenge? That's it. As you come, go ahead and spread out. Give yourself plenty of space. Oh, hallelujah. If you need to receive the Holy Ghost, today is a great day to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look up. Look up. Look up. Make up your mind. You're going to be connected to the body more than you ever have before. You're going to be intentional about your associations and your friendships, about what you are feeding on through social media and entertainment and music and news. Look up. Look up. Look up. Hold on. That's it, my church family. There is a powerful move of God in this room. Brother Walker called it out right at the outset of this service. There is a powerful move of God waiting for us in this room. Go ahead. Go ahead and reach for him. It may not be like we expected it. It may the miracles may not happen in this altar call, maybe like we envisioned it at the beginning of this service, but nonetheless, there are real delivering miracles in this room today. Look up, look up as my wife continues to sing. I'm gonna come around. I'll pray with you. Others are. F- Others are welcome to pray, but listen. Listen. Let's let's digest what God has spoken to in our spirit today.